2: Now we're underway on a football week on Bird Street sixty five. Yeah, they're actually going to play. Eagles going to get out there and hit somebody in another team's jersey. That's what we like to see. That's what we like to talk about here on Bird Street sixty five. Your buddy Jody Mack, my partner today, J.K. Jeff Kerr. Um, we may or may not be hearing from John McMahon. That's to be determined. He's got to go through certain protocols to make sure he is comfortably ensconced in the Eagles. Uh, press box all year long so he might be able to hop on he might not we'll uh, figure that out as we go we do have two good guests that will join us over the course of the show we'll give you details on that Mr. Carr are you ready for some football
3: I've been ready for some football for a while now and again uh Hard knocks is on last night I I take that I didn't watch it live which I probably should have I got entrenched in watching old Eagles games again for some reason really so I'm definitely ready for some football
2: Ricky Waters era, Barrett Brooks what old Eagles football were you watching on YouTube?
3: So the game I ended up watching was it was McNabb's debut 99 Eagles Washington and they came back and won in in overtime and McNabb was okay like he wasn't great but I just remember how loud the crowd was that game and then I flipped to a game from 2000. Um, It was actually a game I was at. The Eagles played the Titans and Andy Reid decided to one of his clock management gas in that game? Ooh. Yeah, they were up thirteen to twelve, and defense got a three and out. They had the ball, and I, I remember this very specifically. Did two runs of the pass, and the pass was like a terrible pass to and Tarn and Small, and McNair just led Tennessee right back. And out, Dow Greco hit a fifty-yard field goals. Time expired, and my dad, uh, I, I just remember him putting his hand over my shoulder and saying, "Oh, now you got to see uh, heartbreaking Eagles loss." <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Robin,
2: is, how old were you? I was
3: 12
2: at the time. Oh, rubbing salt in the wounds of a 12-year-old. Shame on your dad, actually. Well, no, you know, when they lost— Understandably the- so, he's been a lifetime Eagle fan.
3: Well, when they lost the NC championship game in 2002, he did the same thing and said, now you finally know what it means to be an Eagles fan. <laughs>
2: so. Championship game? That's, that was no disgrace, that championship game. Well, maybe a little bit of a disgrace, but uh, no, at least uh, little did you know they were going to be going to several championship games in a row which yeah, had frustrating endings, but we damn good seasons just the same. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, 2021, you take an Eagles championship game appearance and loss. Eagles lose the championship game this year, 56 to nothing with Tampa. You're going to say this is a bad Eagles season?
3: No. I think of the playoffs, I'll say it's a good season. It's Right. It's definitely the impact. Like, the 2000 team, I really love because I thought they'd be okay, but I didn't think they were going to go 11-5 and five and. Kicked the pants out of Tampa in the wild card game. And then I still say to this day they should have beat the Giants. I mean, the Giants didn't score an offensive touchdown that game. It was um, the Ron Dixon kickoff return to start the game. And McDabb did the pass to Jason Seahorn that I don't even know. Seahorn actually caught it and he took it back right before the half. But besides that, I mean, it was a blowout of the Giants, but it wasn't like they, they killed the Eagles. The Eagles only lost by
4: 10.
2: Uh, Eagles, goes, uh, that was the Donovan McNabb area, which Jeff, Jeff is waxing poetic about. Well, we've got a new quarterback who actually kind of resembles Donovan McNabb because Donovan was a good sized guy. He wasn't a skinny guy. He had girth. He had bulk to him, as does their quarterback now, uh, Mr. Hurts, who is going to get the start tonight, even though the coach still hasn't 100 percent confirmed it. I say tonight I meant tomorrow uh he hasn't said that that's the case but we all know it he at this point he doesn't have to do it and I thought it was interesting in his uh, media availability yesterday uh Sirianni kind of left the door open to giving Hurts more than just a cursory look here that they're gonna get him out there let him run a couple plays work up and sweat, and then get him now off the field uh due to worry about injury no, with a guy who is young as Hurts and is developing in his career as he is, he's going to get him some pretty good reps, even though it is game one on Thursday night.
3: Yeah, it seems like at the very least it's going to be a quarter. Um, I, And, you know, sorry, I, I joked, you know, I'd love to see an eighty-yard touchdown the first play of the game and then we'll reevaluate. But he definitely looks like Hurts and the first team guys are going to get as many reps as they can. Maybe, maybe not like a Miles Sanders. Uh, and, again, he did say it was – player by player, but a lot of the young guys like Jordan Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, Greg Ward, those guys, I, I think he's going to keep the receivers and Hurts in for not as long as he can, but I, I think ideally he's going to go maybe a quarter plus.
2: Let me ask you a question, Mr. Penn State. Uh, I understand that Miles Sanders is the lead back of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he should be. Uh, they've got a nice group of others to select from. Uh, you and I both think they're going to keep four. It'd be a shock if they only kept three. I don't think there's any way they can afford to keep five. But they've got a a, a good competitive group behind Miles Sanders. But, oh, by the way, Miles Sanders has not had a good preseason. Um, following all the guys, including Johnny Mack and everyone else, it seems like on a daily basis somebody's reporting about and a bad drop by Miles Sanders that he's working his tail off on the sidelines to get better at catching the football out of the backfield after having a disimpo- disappointing year in that area last season. But he seems to have a drop every single day. I'm putting him right there in the mix with everybody else. Uh, no protecting the guy. Get out there and make some plays and let us feel confident about your ability to do things even in, pre- even in preseason game one. Miles has got to show that, uh, the th-
3: that last year's drop seeds were a thing of the past yeah you know what it's so hard to evaluate a guy like miles sanders because you see the big plays you see the home run hits and he's he is a walking highlight reel when he does get the ball in his hands but he should have caught a lot more footballs than he did last year and again i said this yesterday i don't know if it was a quarterback i don't know if it was the scheme but it just seemed like an absolute mess. And it could be an absolute mess if Hurts is as inaccurate as we think. But I think he could throw a better football to a running back than Carson Wentz could. So it's up to Sanders. You know, Sanders can make this quarterback's life a lot easier just by catching the football and, you know, getting five yards where he shouldn't. And I think the Eagles are going to rely a lot on him this year. I think we're going to learn a lot about Miles Sanders, the football player. I personally, I know he's a top 15 back in this league. He may be top 10 if he can catch the football. And the Eagles got to make a decision on this guy soon because he's got two years left on his rookie deal. And it's tough to pay running backs a big chunk amount of change unless they produce. You know, not everybody's Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. There, there are guys like Miles Sanders right now um, that are just in, in limbo. They'll get a contract from somebody, but it may not be the team that drafted them.
2: I would agree with you that he is a top 15 talent. Is he a top 15 running back? O- only the games are going to tell. Production will dictate whether he's a top 15. Now, back. running the
3: football, I'll actually say this. I think he's top seven, top eight. If you look at the numbers last year, like, he was third among running backs in yards per carry. Um, You know, he averaged over five. So, and, you know, everybody wants to go, well, what about the negative two-yard run? I'm like, well, that's why they call it an average because, right. you know, he still has a 70-yard run in there. You know, if you have – 15 carries for 194 yards, who cares if one of them's an 80-yard run? It's still a productive day regardless.
2: He had a good year running the football, but there is more to it than just running the football. you got to be able to pick up blocks when you're staying in. you got to be able to catch the ball when you're going out uh, of the backfield. He's got to be able to do those things. It can't just all be about running. He's got to be an all-around back, and he's got some work to do in that way. I'm with you, I think, if you're saying, Jody, is he going to improve his standing in the league running backs or regress? I would lean more toward improve and be better than he was last year. And we know where the improvement can come just with some attention and hard work. Uh, I think that's what will happen. Now we got to figure out who's going to be behind him. But that we'll know better after we get to see all the guys in the first exhibition game because Nick Sirianni is going to be calling the plays. Uh, he has never done it before in an NFL regular season game. And, oh, by the way, Thursday is in an NFL recent season game. But he's doing it as the head coach, something he's never done before. And, again, he he, he likes to drop little tidbits. He can't answer questions directly when he has these media availabilities. Uh, but he did make it sound like he's going to do whatever it takes for the Eagles to win football games this year, which we immediately are going to take and compare to run-pass ratio. We know that the owner is a fan of the passing game and the ability to throw it down the field and got to have a prolific passing quarterback at uh, that position. Uh, Mick Sirianni might not be as motivated to do that. If he thinks running the football is going to help him win games. Will we see that in game number one, or is it much too early to start that analysis?
3: I think it is a little too early for that, but I do want to see them run the football more. I think every Eagles fan in America wants to see this team run the football more, regardless of what the owner feels. Now, I think this team will win games based on their running back situation. We talk about Miles Sanders, but they're deep there. You got Boston Scott, you got Kenny Gainwell, you got Jordan Howard. uh, You know, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And, you know, I'm I'm forgetting about carry on Johnson that mix. It's, They're going to run the football, I think, a fair amount. I don't think it's going to be like 50 50, but I think it's going to be, you know, maybe 53% pass, 47% run, because you're obviously going to pass the ball more than you run now in the NFL. That's just the nature of the beast. But to play against teams like the Chiefs, to play against teams like Tampa Bay, and stay in the game, you got to run the football and you got to keep that offense off the field. And I think that's when you're going to see the heavy dose of running. And I think. That's where you're going to see the running backs get mixed in with the passing game and all that. You're just going to see them move the change. Now, Now against a team like the Falcons, I mean, you can run the ball and you can run very efficiently. But you can also throw the ball, too. And I think that's where you'll get to see Jalen Hurts kind of sling it out a little bit, do all that. So, again, it, it all depends on the opponent. But as for tomorrow night, I kind of want to see a mix of both.
2: And the opponent is one thing. The other thing that dictates it greatly, and none of us have a crystal ball. If we did, we wouldn't have to do Bird Street 65. We could just sit back in bed every single game and make our living that way. Um the score of the game is going to dictate oftentimes how much you're going to run, how much you're going to pass. If you're up by two touchdowns in the third quarter, well, then, yeah, you're going to try and run the ball to keep that clock running. If you're down by two touchdowns to start the second half, guess what? You're going to come out slinging it. So none of us know how the games are going to play out over the course, and then you got to uh, adjust and define what type of a uh, play caller Nick Sirianni is in the moment as the score dictates. The other thing that Sirianni did say that I found very interesting was as far as uh, guys who are going to play, and we're not going to even judge out of here game one. Much more important is who are the starters week one against Atlanta in the first regular season game. Nick Sirianni said yesterday, I'm going to play the guys who give us the best chance to win. I am graded, I am rated, I am judged by wins and losses. So I am going to do what I have to do to get the Philadelphia Eagles as many wins as possible. Here on Street 365 and every other media outlet where it's salt here in Philadelphia, we're always trying to gauge how much is the front office dictating terms on the field for the Philadelphia Eagles, a.k.a. Howie Roseman and uh, Jeff Flory, even more so Roseman, because he's the guy who pulls the trigger on all the draft picks. Will that come into play with the judgment of who should be on the field, who should be playing for the Eagles. Well, Nick Sirianni, as a rookie head coach, never coached a game in his lifetime as a head coach, and still won't even after Thursday night, you got to get to the regular season, made it sound like, no, I want to win games, that winning games is the most important thing. Uh, Justifying draft spots is not something that Nick Sirianni is going to put at the top of his priority list when deciding who's going to play. I'm glad for that. I like that. That's what I want to hear. Even out of my wet behind the ears rookie, never coached a game in his life, head coach, that's exactly the way I think a head coach should do his job. Will this put him at loggerheads with the general manager who hired him?
3: I think it will at some point, um, because, you know, Howie Roseman likes to pretend he's a football coach, he's the general manager, he's the equipment manager, he's, you know, the do-it-all for you, Dolly. You know, Howie Roseman loves to run the show, and Unfortunately, Nick Seriani knows a lot about football. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing for Eagles fans, but for Ali Roseman, it isn't. So I think it is going to clash at some point. I think it's going to be, well, I drafted this guy high, and I got to prove this guy's not a bust. Well, and I'm looking at you, Jalen Rager. Um, so if Nick Seriani thinks Wes Watkins is outplaying the sixth-round pick that year, is outplaying the first-round pick, and if he can win games – Wes Watkins is going to play. I hate to say it. You know, your boy, Greg Ward. Greg Ward catches the football. Jalen Rager doesn't. Jalen Rager's out the slot. It's just the nature of the beast. And you have to earn your time. And especially when you have a first year head coach. We've seen this throughout Eagles history. You know, Andy Reid cut George Hageman. And George Hageman was a pro bowler and eventually, and he got him. He just said, no. You know, maybe pushed the sled, embarrassed him. That was it. And, Nick Seriani can put his stamp on this team by saying, I'm playing the best players. I'm playing the guys that can help me win football games, whether Howie Roseman agrees or disagrees or not. And I don't think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside will come into play, but Jan Rager might. Um, A couple of these, this year's draft picks might. Now, of course, this year's draft class is actually doing pretty well. So I don't think there'll be a debate there, but Roseman's got to make up for his 2019 and 2020 drafts right now. And, Maybe even twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen to an extent with Derek Barnett and yeah, you know, not like Derek Barnett's a bad player or anything, but again, you know, it's high draft picks and boy, I wish McMullen was here too. Um you know, kinda add on to this. But overall it's I think they will butt heads. It may not be year one, but I think it's gonna happen at some point.
2: Well, one of the places where it looks like they're not gonna butt heads is left tackle because uh we know uh, that it's been a <laughs> wide open competition, or it was supposed to be when preseason started. It has been a domination in practice, according to those who were there day in and day out, that uh, lotta has gotten much the better of the comparison to Dillard. And the coach did not commit to saying who was going to start on Thursday night. Well, that was decided yesterday when Andre Dillard came up uh, injured in practice and is already being labeled week to week. So he's definitely out for Thursday night. Sounds like he won't play in the second preseason game either. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself there. My um, lotta I think, won the job outright. Uh, but in case there were those who were foolish enough to believe that it was
3: still a competition, the competition is over because of Dillard's injury yesterday. And the Eagles kind of lean toward uh, Jordan Mala starting Thursday night because if. I don't know if you caught this shorty. He started, he was on the first team in back-to-back practices. So I think they were getting him ready to start Thursday night. And you know, Andre Dillard got hurt. It's unfortunate because I still wanted to see what Dillard could do in the preseason, see if he could, you know, up his value, I guess, or prove he's a capable backup left tackle, which I think he is anyway, but you still want to see him in there with the first team or with those guys. You know, that's what the preseason is for. We may not even get any of that now. So, our future of Andre Dillard is as murky as ever if you know, you're know you a member of the Eagles coaching staff. So now you got to look at it as okay, Jordan are guy. There's no doubt about that. But where's are going to fall into place. How are we going to do the tackle rotation? Maybe Andre Dillard could actually learn how to play the right side against comparing it to Rang with his left hand, which I did agree with him because it, it is a difference. And especially if you play one side of the line your entire life. It's not something you learn automatically, so yeah, Andre Dillard's got a murky future there. Um, another interesting part of the depth chart I wanted to get into was Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. Neither were listed as a first teamer, which again I think Josh Sweat has been outplaying Derek Barnett, but I can see where the Eagles would put both of them in there just because they both have had good camp. I mean, Sweat's had a great camp, but it's not like Barnett's been you know cheap either. You know, he's been pretty good.
2: Don't know where they're going to go on the defensive line, only that we know Ryan Kerrigan is not going to get reps here in game number one. Injured his thumb, had to have surgery, apparently not a major surgery, because they've already labeled him out seven to ten days, which means he's probably going to miss this game and the uh, second preseason game, maybe back for the third preseason game, but that means that much more time for uh, both uh, Sweat and Barnett to get in, get some reps, and uh, lay claim to behind Brandon Graham, who is going to be the next defensive end on the Eagles' overall depth chart. He's Jeff Carr, I'm Jody McDonald We are Birds 365, guys. We may be able to sneak Johnny McMullen in at some point. Don't know yet. you got to stay tuned for that. We know who's coming up next. One of our faves, Les Bowen, formerly of the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, jumping right back into the fray. Uh, took the buyout from the Inquirer, but Les told us when we had him on after uh, it was uh, announced that he wasn't going to be doing day in and day out for the inquiry, he said, I'm going to keep my hand in on it. Well, sure enough, I saw a Let's Bowen article for the Associated Press yesterday. So he is still very much part of the Eagles beat, guys. He's going to join us next here on Birds 365.
4: I get scared sometimes of a lot of things joining in, decisions, the dark
6: Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place
7: where you can safely do everything or nothing at all.
8: it's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
2: Appreciate your jumping in on Birds 365. We are one day away from the start of another Philadelphia Eagles football season yes it is but a preseason game but if the eagles are out there playing and fans are in lincoln financial field this town does get excited and we are too we're excited to be joined by our next guest the option board with us uh he's he's absolutely getting the job done with the brick wall behind him and uh, we got to get curb brick wall uh johnny max got his i got mine and les bowen has his how uh, you doing
9: les it's great jody how are you
2: we're doing phenomenal. We appreciate your hopping on board. So I'm uh, jumping around the internet uh, yesterday, and lo and behold, here's Les Bowens' byline. I uh, didn't know you were going to get back into the fray as quickly as you did, my friend. First of all, congrats, and good to read you again.
9: I tried to get out, and they keep pulling me back.
3: <laughs>
9: yeah, he approached me about, uh, you know, Rob Motti, uh, has uh, is doing a national gig now with uh, the AP football gig. And uh, they needed, you know, a little help here and there. I'm not going to be doing it all the time, but I was. Uh, I did write yesterday's camp story, and I'll be doing one next week. And uh, you know, it's uh, not too, the lifting isn't too heavy for an old retired person like myself.
3: We gonna be seeing you in the press box, less.
9: Uh, that's unclear. That's been mentioned, but uh, I we we haven't really uh, we're kind of taking it uh, week to week here. I think.
2: There you go. Well, I was uh, very uh, glad and uh, almost excited to see uh, your write-up from yesterday's camp. Um, We are just a couple of days away from Nick Sirianni's first outing as the head coach of the Eagles, and I was buoyed by a couple of things that he had to say yesterday. Number one, that he's going to play his starters here, that this isn't going to be a protect-our-guys three-game exhibition season, that he's got some guys he wants to see, wants to give valuable reps to, and he's got to make decisions on. And number two, that he's going to play the players that are going to win games for him, that there isn't going to be an ulterior motive as to who's going to actually play for him this year. Is he going to be able to hold up both of those uh, beliefs and or standards right now, Les?
9: Well, right now, I think so, Jody. The, uh, the first thing, um, he really has no choice. The way the, with the COVID restrictions and everything – the way the spring was constructed, he wasn't able to work 11 on 11. He had he just finished installing his offense last week. He needs to find out about some guys. You know, he needs to see his starters in action. He needs to get Jalen Hurts more live reps. You know, with the the first team offense, this is a whole new offense for everybody. Whole new defense. They need this work. You know, they can't really. I mean, what Doug Peterson did these last few years was kind of from a different place where everybody knew what they were doing. And uh, there might be a few newcomers, but the base of the team was was set in the system and so forth. And, you know, it, I don't think Nick has that luxury. The second part where you're talking about, like, is is Howie going to make him play guys, I guess, that Howie drafted. Uh, I don't think – this is a new slate. And I think Howie understands that Sirianni has to – yeah, he can't be burdened by – uh, the expectations of draft picks that he didn't have anything to do with, and the, but the big conflict area there is pretty much resolving itself. That would be Andre Dillard. You know, uh, Dillard and Milata at left tackle. Dillard, a first-round draft pick. Mylotta a seventh-round draft pick. But everybody saw Milata do the job last year, and then he came in and he was he, apparently he's been doing it better than than Dillard this year. And yesterday, Dillard limped off the field with a knee sprain that's going to keep him out week to week, they say. So I would say that there's not much momentum for any kind of front office dictate there as far as making Nick play somebody that's not uh, you know, not as good as a guy who wasn't drafted as high. The only other possible conflict there I can see would be Jalen Rieger. Uh, he's been kind of up and down, I guess, Uh we we'll just have to see what happens with that. I think Rieger has a lot of talent, and they still don't have a wide receiver group that's all that accomplished. I think there is a spot for Rieger there. I don't think they have to feature him as the as the number one guy or anything like that.
3: Were you able to see the play where Dillard went down with the knee sprain yesterday, or was that like on the far side of the field? He didn't really
9: go down. He just sort of. Limped off. Uh, you know, um, I did see him limp off, but that was about it. It was uh, there. There was a lot going on at that point. There were different things going on in different parts of the field, and I did not see what caused that. Um, I kind of think he was losing competition anyway. But it is, it does bring a certain—I uh, don't want to say finality, but a definition—to to that situation. I think if he's going to be out week to week. I mean, unless Maialotti gets hurt tomorrow, God forbid, uh, you know, that's that I think that's going to be pretty well settled.
2: Agreed. All right. uh, As with probably 31 other teams in the National Football League, along with the Eagles, the thing that everybody's going to concentrate above and beyond everything else, not to its exclusivity, but the number one concern will be quarterback. And that's certainly the case here in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts taking over. He, too, has had an up-and-down preseason. Some days good. We know he can throw the ball long. He likes to throw it long, and he's very good at it, but it takes more than that to be able to move the ball up and down the field. What do you think Nick Sirianni and uh, Jalen Hurts want to accomplish here in preseason game number one? Well, they'll be high-fiving each other when uh, the coach tells them, all right, that's enough for tonight, Jalen. Good job, buddy.
9: Oh, I think they want to see efficiency. They want to see him run the offense. And stay on the field, pile up some first downs, score some points, uh, you know, not have mistakes. Uh, Nick mentioned yesterday, you know, the uh, long completion to Quez Watkins, touchdown completion in the public scrimmage uh, Sunday, got a lot of uh, Internet play. Uh, Nick mentioned that actually there was a a pre-snap penalty there. And in a game, that play wouldn't have counted which, you know, was a footnote yesterday, obviously, because we're talking about a scrimmage. But in the regular season, that would have been a pretty big deal. <laughs> so uh, that's the kind of thing. He wants to see things run smoothly. Uh, I don't think he, he really wants to – you know, he'd love to see, you know, Jalen do incredible things. But that's not really – just run the offense, move the ball down the field, you know, uh, avoid huge mistakes, Uh Show command of this new system. I think that's what he's looking for.
3: One of the things I've noticed around the NFL, this is one of the benefits of covering the league, I got to listen to Bruce Arians this week, uh, Bill Belichick, and I thought for sure they would be two coaches that would kind of use that third preseason game as the fourth preseason game, and it doesn't look like they're going to do that at all. It looks like Sean McVay is going to be the only coach that decides not to play starters. Uh, The Eagles are kind of leading lean toward that, too, like the third preseason game might actually still be the dress rehearsal. Uh, Did Nick Sirianni give you guys any any indication that was the case yesterday?
9: He didn't talk about anything beyond tomorrow. But it is going to be very interesting. I think, uh, like I said, you know, the the spring still wasn't normal. So teams do need this this time, these tune-ups. I don't know. You know, the third game, since there are only three – I can see doing it that way, but I also think, like most teams, like the Eagles, have these scrimmages coming up with other teams, uh, practices, you know, joint practices, and I think those maybe will function in the in the way of a preseason game in a couple of ways with your starters, but also with the guys trying to make the team. They'll be practicing against the guys trying to make the Bucks or the Patriots or whomever. And maybe you'll get a sense of that, you know, more than you would from the fourth preseason game. So I think teams are doing other things to to kind of make the, the decisions they need to make uh, before the season starts.
2: Unless one of the more interesting storylines we've had with the Eagles that started well before camp ever even opened up uh, and has certainly kind of grown and uh, become a different type story. This uh, preseason has been Zach Ertz. Um, not yourself, but, uh, some of your media contemporaries had Zacherts traded, well, four months ago, five months ago, six months ago. Uh, and oh, by the way, Zacherts is still here, even though a couple people had him gone and forgotten, um, He's come in. He's been actually, I think, the better tight end in preseason practices. We know Goddard is the guy they're contemplating giving a contract extension to. They're not doing that with Zach Ertz, and that's where all the problems started. Uh, But Ertz has been very good in in, uh, practice, and it looks like the coaches accepted the fact that, hey, we couldn't trade this guy. He's here now. He's maybe my best receiver that's not named Devonta Smith, who can't play anyway. Uh, how big a season is Zach Ertz sitting on this year?
9: Well, that's really interesting, Joey. You know he can, if he plays well this season and gets the ball, you know, a lot, uh, he's set up for free agency. You know, um, so that's that's a great incentive for him. This is a huge. It wasn't just people saying that he was going to be gone. He was gone. I mean, he back in the spring, in his mind, he was not part of the Eagles anymore. He was the player rep. I was talking about all this stuff uh, in the spring that they didn't get to do eleven on eleven and so forth. Well, there were all these negotiations with the league and the and the player reps and things. And you know, I contacted Zach about that. He was said, oh, "I don't know what they're going to do," meaning the Eagles. You so, know, I mean, he just wasn't. He was gone. He was out. And then nothing happened. You know, they didn't trade him, and they wanted something substantial in return for him, and they weren't getting it. So this is his option is to come in here and look good. That's the only thing he can do. You know, you can't really hold out in the NFL. They find you, you don't get paid. Uh, it would be counterproductive. The best thing he can do is look really good. Maybe they trade him at the end of training camp or before the trade deadline. But the other element of this, as you alluded to is Dallas Goddard, you know, everybody was talking about, Oh, Dallas Goddard, he's ready to jump up and be, you know, a superstar. Well, he, he showed up and he didn't complete his conditioning test. Uh, and there was some kind of quirky thing about that. I wasn't there that day. Obviously, I've only been there one day yesterday. But, uh, you know, it's uh, Dallas Goddard. I don't know. I mean, he got, you know, last year was that thing with the uh, fight in the bar in uh, in South Dakota. Uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder where his head's at a little bit sometimes. Uh, he's a very good player. He has all kinds of potential, but I wouldn't be in any great hurry to unload Zach Ertz, uh, given the talent level of this team at at the current moment. Uh, You know, if Zach Ertz wants to come here and play his rear end off and, you know, set himself up for a a, a real trade or free agency, uh, you know, I don't think anybody should look askance at that (laughs)
3: This team really seems to galvanize around Jalen Hurts, especially the younger players. Uh, last year, it—I don't know—just from behind the scenes, it didn't look like these younger guys were doing the same for Carson Wentz. Uh, did you notice that? You know, throughout the the craziness of everything that happened last year.
9: Very good point. Yeah, that was one of the. You know, if we scroll all the way back, that's one of the reasons you don't draft a quarterback in the second round when you have a franchise quarterback that you supposedly believe in. And I think Wentz was completely right that this started a process of, you know, the younger guys uh, gravitating toward the other guy. Um, And it just, you know, opened all kinds of doors that didn't need to be opened. And Wentz, you know, he didn't respond well, and that's his fault. But it was, uh, yeah, that, that definitely happened last year. Hertz is a more uh, dynamic, more uh, verbose uh, leader than than Wentz is. He he's more of a rally the troops, you know, come on guys, slapping people on the back, that sort of thing, which only goes so far. I mean, that's not the the chief attribute in a quarterback. But when you got one guy who's like that, who was just drafted with a high pick and the other guy isn't really like that, you know, again, it, it really set up a, a very bad dynamic last year. It, it, you know, and I'm not completely blaming Wentz for that. You know, it was uh, it was very odd. Wentz certainly – I mean, uh, Wentz. Hurts certainly has the leadership qualities that you want in a quarterback. I don't think anybody doubts that. The question is, can he put the points on the board and avoid the mistakes and make the reads – and get the ball where it needs to go and, on a consistent basis. If he can do that, then in, everything's great. But, you know, it's uh, he's an interesting guy, and I think this is going to be a fascinating uh, season for them, seeing exactly what he is. And I hope they get a clear view of that. You know, I hope they're not kind of like, well, at the end of the season, well, he does this well, and he does that well, but we still didn't. We only won seven. Games, and in this game, you know, we could have done a little better if he'd have hit that guy. You know, that's what you don't want out of this season. You want to know by the end of the season, it is Jalen Hurts or it isn't Jalen Hurts. One of the two.
2: Well, now, we can certainly agree. Uh, the Eagles want a definitive quarterback answer when the season is come and gone. But it hasn't even started yet. And we haven't even started talking about the defense yet. Um, know that you know less, even though you're not down there every single day, that it kind of came out, leaked out that, Nick Sirianni keeps score of practice every single day. He gives out winning grades on every single play. And the defense basically kicked the offense's tail on a day in, day out basis on their final coach's scoreboard. That's great for the defense. It's not so good for the offense. But let's uh, look at the positive side of this. The defense has been really good in camp so far. And we don't really know what the new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, is going to do either as far as scheme goes. We got some ideas. He's given some uh, pointers when he's had uh, media availability. But um, until you actually see it with your own two eyes, it's all just speculation on our part uh, leading into preseason game number one. How good a grasp are we going to have of Jonathan Gannon's system after just one preseason game, do you
9: think? Oh, I don't think we'll see a whole lot. You know, Sirianni talked yesterday about he was talking about the offense, but I think this goes for the defense as well, that a huge advantage they have as a new staff coming in is nobody has any tape on them. You know, that nobody knows what they're going to run. And they don't want to mess up that advantage by showing everything that they want to do in preseason games. So it's going to be kind of a balancing act between wanting guys to get comfort <laughs> with the systems and not wanting to show your hands. So I don't know that we're going to get a lot of clues from this first preseason game as to exactly how much blitz or, you know, stuff like that, how much they're going to play three, four. They are going to play some three, four apparently. Um, But uh, I I will say this, the defense has been healthier than the offense in this camp for whatever reason. Uh, Most of the big injuries have been offensively. I think Ryan Kerrigan really is the, He's the main guy who's, who's hurt right now defensively, and he's not even a starter. Uh, so that that's a little bit. The offensive line has not been the real offensive line yet. Of course, we've been saying that for three years, you know, and that could be an ongoing uh, issue again this year. But, uh, you know, I think the offense uh, has talent. But uh, yeah, the defense, they really did some nice things defensively this year with Steven Nelson at corner. Uh, they better linebackers than they had last year uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if the defense is is greatly improved uh, i wasn't jim schwartz's harshest critic i thought he was a smart guy and i think he had to work around some horrible personnel deficits at times but i do like gannon's ideas uh, i do like the idea of being multiple of sort of configuring your defense to what the offense does uh, from week to week. I think the Patriots have done that to great effect for many years. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, bullish on Jonathan Gannon, even though I don't know the man at all.
4: You think the Jim
3: Schwartz hate from the fan base came from that he only rushed for because we all know how Philadelphia is. It's got to blitz, got to blitz, got to do Jim Johnson, Buddy Ryan, Bud Carson, whoever, and that just hurt Jim Schwartz's reputation here.
9: Yeah, he, he didn't blitz, and the coverages were often soft. And, you know, he would always say, like, with that sticks defense on third down, it almost always worked. It almost always kept the other team from picking up a first down. But it didn't look – it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. You want to see your team get after the other team. You know, you don't want to say, okay, it was four, it was third and 15, and we only gave up 13 yards. Yay! You know, that's – people don't – people really get out of their seats for that and I think that was a big part of Jim's problems you know a lot of stats looked bad in the Jim Schwartz reign but a lot of times if you looked at the final score and the points they gave up given the personnel they had it was not a disaster it was, and, and I think he played some chess pieces pretty well personnel was a huge issue I think they really did not do well by him in that realm at corner uh at linebacker and even at safety at times so uh you know he had his work cut out for him and you know he he got it done as as best he could i think
2: lots of guy like yourself who's been covering the league as long as you have uh certainly know and understand that uh, one of those chicken and the egg theories in the national football league is Do defensive lines make defensive backfields, or do defensive backfields make defensive lines? Which is it? Well, of course, it's a little of both. Um, Last year, the Eagles did get a bunch of sacks, even though they only sent three, Um, but they might have been able to get more if they had better coverage corners. Coming into the offseason, that was a major concern. You had Darius Slay, who was paid to be a shutdown corner and was a good corner. Maybe even you get the very good corner. Not a shutdown corner last year, year number one in Philadelphia. And Avante Maddox outside, really, is your second corner? People were uh, petrified the Eagles defensive secondary, specifically a corner. Well, here in the first two weeks of practice, it looks like it actually might be a bit of a strength. They get Steven Nelson. He comes in and looks like a legit starting cornerback in the league. And their draft pick, Zach McPherson, has opened eyes with his ability to uh, play defense and pass defend here in the uh, preseason. Uh, could that actually be considered a strength for the Eagles this year, their cornerback play?
9: Yeah, I think it might, Jody. I mean, we want to see some real games before we make that decision. But, yeah, I, I like both of those guys. I like Slay and I like Nelson and, and the young guy, McPherson. He was a real interesting draft pick. I remember when they picked him, it was uh, there were widely varying uh, predictions for him. Some people thought, boy, this is a great pick. You know, they really got a jewel here. Others were like, "Yeah, this guy, you know, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. Um, I don't know. He's certainly having a good camp. Uh, I think, uh, I definitely think, I don't know if Slay is a shutdown corner. But I think he's a very, he's like a B, B-plus corner in the NFL. And if you have two guys like that on the outside and a B, B-plus guy on the inside, you ought to be able to win a lot of matchups, really. And and that's way better than what the Eagles have been having the last several years.
3: What well, you were able to gather with Jalen Riker last year, what do you think was the root of his struggles? Well,
9: that's a tough question. I, you know it's always a tough thing for a player when a team passes up a guy that the fan base was really invested in probably Justin Jefferson who turns out to be an incredible player. I mean, that sets you up to fail right there. That was a huge obstacle. If Brandon Graham didn't have the incredible personality that he has, I think he could have failed here. I mean, he, he was several years into his career before he really, you know, Delivered the goods, and everybody remembers that situation uh, where you know they were supposed to take the safety and you know <laughs> Earl Thomas, and that became uh, something hung around his neck. Uh, I think that started Jalen off wrong. I think his route he probably shouldn't have been picked. I mean, he should, he definitely shouldn't have been picked ahead of Justin Jefferson. His route running isn't that smooth, uh, his speed. Does it last year anyway did not translate very well onto the field? You didn't see he didn't look fast in running routes, uh, even though he can run a 40. Um, so there were a lot of issues there. Uh, he seems to have kind of a quirky personality. He likes to get in social media fights with fans and delete his account and then reinstate it and stuff like that. And then this year he showed up uh, and again, well, like with Goddard, he failed his conditioning test, which and there was some kind of thing about a friend who died, and, and he was very disconsolate. But if you're coming off the rookie year that Jalen Rager's coming off of, you show up here. You know, I don't want to seem insensitive or anything, but I, you know, I don't care if your whole family died. You show up ready to go. This is crucial to your career. This is your livelihood. You know, And that struck me as a very bad thing. <laughs> Uh, That said, he had one incredible catch in practice so far this year. He has talent, but, uh, you know, we'll just see. They're going to play him more in the slot, which might be a good thing for him. Even though, and when I pointed this out yesterday on Twitter, fans were very quick to point out that the reason they preferred, that the reason that Howie Roseman preferred Rieger over Jefferson was that he thought Jefferson was just a slot guy. But at this point, you make Rieger work wherever he can work. You put him in whatever peg is best for him, and you know go with it. But uh, yeah, I I still have my doubts about Jalen Reger being a really effective uh, receiver, first round receiver that that deserved to go when he went in the draft. I don't know. I hope I wish him well, but I have questions.
2: Last, uh, let me jump back over to the defensive side of the ball because, again, we're going to find out some things about Jonathan Gantz tonight. His whole bio is not going to be revealed, but we'll get a little peek, which will be nice. Um, if he's following in the footsteps of one of his mentors, Mike Zimmer, uh, the Vikings head coach, Zimmer's defenses usually include at least one playback, playmaking linebacker. The Eagles haven't had a playmaking linebacker in a while. Yeah. With the guys that they have on the roster right now, I'm not even sure who the playmaking linebacker is. Is it going to be a necessity on this defense? Will this defense lend itself to it? Or will this defense turn into another Eagle defense where the linebackers can be A, B, and C? It doesn't really matter because they're not going to be called upon to make big plays.
9: Boy, that's a real good question, Jody. You know, I, I haven't seen enough of them in, in camp to – to really judge that, uh, the guy I liked from last year, Alex Singleton, uh, was out until just recently uh, after a positive COVID test. Um, they did add linebacking. Uh, they do have some young guys from last year like uh, TJ Edwards and Sean Bradley who you know have talent, but is anybody really going to be that level like an Anthony Barr? No. No, they don't have a guy like that. I mean, you know, you have to draft those players really high. um, And they have not done that. Um, But I do think they, you know, I mean, they've been running guys out there the last few years who just weren't NFL starting players like Nathan Jerry. And uh, I I do think that is, and we'll see if if linebacking is any kind of strength or not. I I just think it will be less of a weakness, I, I believe.
3: Tony and I were talking about Miles Sanders uh, earlier in the show, and I'm on the record. I think he's a good running back. I definitely think he's top 15. But what does Miles really need to do to become great? Because we already know the home runs he provides for this team.
9: Yeah. Well, one thing is he needs to stay healthy. You know, we used to talk when Deuce Staley was the uh, Eagles running backs coach, we used to talk to Deuce about whether Miles Sanders could be a a really elite, uh, you know, uh, every down back and, uh, featured back and Deuce would say, Oh yeah, absolutely. He can be that. And then Sanders would go out and get hurt. You know, I mean, he hasn't ever really done that. He hasn't carried that kind of load, uh, without breaking down. The other thing is he regressed last year as a pass catcher. He was really not, uh, good at all. I mean, he dropped a lot of passes, um, That's a big part of any NFL offense these days. It used to just be the Eagles back in the Andy Reid days. And, uh, you know, when he threw to the backs a lot, everybody throws to the backs now. And if you can't catch, you know, that's a huge problem. Uh, And I think Sanders has struggled a little bit with the ball in this camp from what I've heard from other people. Uh, So I think he needs to be consistent uh, with his routes and with his catching. I think he needs to stay healthy and, uh, you know, just – be consistent. Be the guy that uh, – that you're not going to rip off an 82-yard touchdown run every game, but look like the guy on every snap. <laughs> look like that's a poss- – that was the thing with Shady McCoy, I always thought, is every time he got the ball, you wondered if he was going to do that. You know, it, 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 the threat was there, and I think that's something that Miles Sanders might have, and we're just going to have to see this year if, if he does have it.
2: All right, last week compared uh, the old defensive coordinator with the new defensive coordinator earlier here in this uh, interview with uh, the way things had been going under Schwartz here in Philadelphia and the way they may go under Gannon as the new D.C. Let's do the same with the head coaches. Uh, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl here, left on not great terms at four eleven and one and the quarterback finding his way out of town, so they had to change that. Jalen Hurts, we all know Doug Peterson's story, but what I want to get at is he was a pretty damn aggressive head coach when he was here. Doug would risk. He would go for it on fourth down. He would do some things that would surprise you with its overt aggressiveness. We don't know anything about uh, the new head coach when it comes to play calling and making in-game critical decisions. We just know his personality through his media availability and what you see of him coaching up his players during practice. If we agree that Doug uh, Peterson was an overly aggressive coach, there's overly aggressive, there's balanced, there's conservative. Where do you think that uh, by the time we've got a good grasp on the new head coach, where is Nick Sirianna going to fall on the aggression spectrum?
9: Boy, Jody, I don't know. I know I would think his personality would tend toward aggressive. He's a very assertive, very enthusiastic, very positive kind of guy. He doesn't seem like a cautious, uh, you know, afraid to do things sort of person. And I I also think Doug was kind of right along with the curve or ahead of the curve on analytics. This is the way the NFL is now. You know, you should go for it on fourth down a lot more than people did 20 years ago. You know, that's those are the percentages. Um, it depends sometimes on personnel and who you're playing and situations. But in general, that's, that's the way the NFL is going to be. So I think you will see continued aggressiveness. I'll be real surprised. Uh, that's, you know, conservatism in that sense is sort of an old guy NFL thing. And Nick Sirianni just turned 40. So, you know, I think, I think he'll be uh, assertive and aggressive. Uh, there were times when Doug, I thought, didn't look at, okay, yeah, you want to go for it on fourth down, but, uh, you right. guard is, is a guy that was on the practice squad uh, until two days ago. And, uh, you're running a uh, backup running back and, uh, <laughs> you know, the defense you're, you're doing this against is best in the league on fourth down, you know, maybe not today. <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, Otherwise, yeah, I think aggression is good, and I think you'll see a lot of it from Nick Sirion.
3: I want to go back to Doug, too. Did Doug kind of listen to the analytics? You kind of pointed this out. A little too much, like if someone gave him the percentage of, say, converting on a fourth and three, would he just do it just based on that? Or did he actually kind of use the voice in his own head saying, you know what, I might want to punt the ball here?
9: You know, I don't know for sure. I know that an element of this with the Eagles that's going to continue to be an element for Nick Sirianni is that Jeffrey Lurie is very invested in analytics. I think Jeff McLean from the inquiry wrote a big piece about that last year. This is a directive that comes from the very highest place in the organization. Uh, Jeffrey's very interested in the numbers and and using the numbers and using advantages, uh, in, in percentages and things like that, where you can, and maybe to an excessive degree at times. Uh, you know, there was a story about uh, when they were uh, Jim Schwartz being told that uh, the first thing that was said from from the owner of the general manager was, uh, gee, you sure gave up a lot of points, you know. <laughs> uh, I it, mean, it's you don't want to lose sight of, of the point of the whole thing is winning and losing, not to conform to the latest trends to the T. And I think maybe the Eagles there are times when they're sort of teetering on that line of they'd be happier being the, the team that uh, had the latest uh, idea or or was was a lot riding the wave uh, than doing something that worked. Uh, I don't think Jeffrey would be very happy if, for instance, they won a game where they ran the ball 40 times and passed at 15. I don't think Jeffrey would like that win, you know. Um, But getting back to the the question, uh, yeah, I think there were times – I think Doug did embrace the analytics without really understanding them uh, to any great nuance degree. I think he pretty much took what they handed him and said, okay, let's do this. You know, and there were times when that maybe
2: wasn't the best thing. Last thing, last thing, we appreciate you jumping on board with us. Uh, kind of crystal ball, uh, give me a prediction type thing. Uh We'll go full circle and come back to the quarterback where we started. Uh Jalen Hurts is going to get the nod. He's going to play however long the coach sees fit. And he made it sound to me yesterday like, might be a little bit more than you guys are thinking. I think he needs the reps and we're not going to uh, run scared and, just pull him off the field. And there's one thing running scared, and then there's another one being a little risque. How many times do you think Jalen Hurts going to take off in however many reps oh. he's going to get? Do you think he's going to try and make a play with his legs? Because he knows he's got something to prove here. And let's be honest, it's part of his game. It's a strength of his game. When he does will that precipitate him being pulled out of the game? If he pulls one down and dodges a couple of tackles, is that going to signify, yeah, get Flacco ready. Get him into the game here. Our guy's taking a chance. Uh, will we see uh, Mr. Hertz run with the football on tomorrow night?
9: No, Jody, that's a real good question. Uh, from Hurts' perspective, I don't think there's a lot to be gained from that. I don't think he's going to impress Nick Sirianni by, you know, I mean the supposition there is we're not talking about a play where he's supposed to run it. right we're about a play that's broken down unless you know unless somebody just totally missed a block and he's being chased around by a defensive end uh, I don't think anybody wants to see him pull the ball down and run it in the first exhibition game you know that's that's a signal that the offense isn't um, I don't know I don't know what would happen in that regard I don't think they're that worried about Hurts getting hurt I mean He's pretty healthy. He's been a very good-sized guy. Uh, he hasn't had the kind of injury history. that Certainly, Carson Wentz has taken with him to Indianapolis now with his foot thing. Um, I have no idea what the response would be, but I'm pretty sure that's not what Hertz wants to do tomorrow night.
2: Agreed. All right, let's do us a favor. Uh, it was good to see you uh, filing a report for uh uh, AP yesterday uh, give us your Twitter handle again so people can know when Les Bowen is going to be writing about the Philadelphia Eagles I'm sure you're going to be uh, previewing it on Twitter what's that Twitter handle of yours again
9: at Les Bowen yes that's
2: stupid uh, I guess I should have known that that's my bad. okay
9: that's
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff thank you very much for coming on we're going to tap into you from time to time during the season thanks
9: for hopping on today my pleasure thank you guys
2: Our pleasure. Let's Bowen in here with us, doing some work for the Associated Press. He decided enough of this inquiry stuff. He's going to be doing some AP stuff, uh, and we will punch him up here on Birds 365 from time to time. All right, Jeff Curran for Johnny Mac today with me, Joey Mac. We'll come back at hour number two underway. Uh, We got a buddy of Jeff's, another CBS contributor, um, Brian DeArdo, uh, who does a lot of AFC uh, North stuff for CBS He's a uh, Pittsburgh-based guy. Steelers are coming into town. So we'll talk to Brian DiArdo from uh, CBS about 20 minutes from now. Keep it right here on Birds 365.
4: I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say
7: Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation,
10: your way.
0: old school greats and new school hits prime video find your happy place restrictions apply see amazon.com amazon prime for details
5: the international brotherhood of electrical workers local union 98 is a proud sponsor of the labor show with J. doc and krause every saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m
8: it's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
2: We thank Les Bowen for being part of Birds 365 here on Eagles Opener Week. Preseason season. Uh, Lid lifter against the Steelers is now just over 24 hours away. Well, maybe close to 30 hours. <laughs> Rounding up here, Jody Mack with Jeff Kerr, your Birds 365 guys today. Um, buddy of uh, Jeff's, Brian De Yardo, is going to join us coming up in uh, lesson. 20 minutes from now, uh, he covers the AFC for CBS, specifically heavy in the Steelers division. So Steelers are coming to town. We'll uh, certainly get Brian up to talk about the Eagles opposition. Again, uh, it's a preseason game. Steelers are answering the same questions the Eagles are. How much are you going to play your guys? How much are you going to show? How much are you going to keep in reserve and not let somebody put on uh, film to watch? And, oh, by the way, second game for the Steelers. There's only two teams that can say that. They and the Cowboys playing in last week's Hall of Fame game. It's a little bit of a different situation for the Steelers. We'll discuss all those things with Brian when we get him up here. A uh, couple of things I want to discuss with you before we do get Brian, though, Jeff, is uh, last mentioned uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz back at Colts practice yesterday. Sons of Boots that we were told he was going to be out somewhere between five and 12 weeks, which I love that when you, you have a hole you could drive a truck through as to how much time a guy is going to be out, five to 12. Why don't you say one to two years uh, if you're going to have that far a spread? Uh, but if you're an Eagle fan who's just desperately rooting for Carson Wentz to play and make sure that the Eagles get that first-round pick next year rather than the second-round pick, Good sign that he was back in practice. San's boot for the Colts yesterday.
3: Yeah, kind of like Carson Wentz doing what he did in 2018, per se. You know, the second Nick Foles lost, I'm back, guys. Oh, look, I can play now, even though he probably should have waited another two or three weeks. But, hey, you know, if, if this gets him healthy and ready to go by week one, I, I think that was the Mortensen tweet. I didn't get to see the whole thing yet. But, yeah, he's back in practice. San's boot and... We'll see if he's back by week three, that uh, 70% Colts making the playoffs thing. Uh, that's still in play.
2: That is. Uh, and that's good news as far as I'm concerned. Um, another thing that I noticed yesterday, and uh, I really have been following this the last couple of years, and I think all football fans should be following it as well. The NFL came out yesterday with two points of emphasis on refereeing this year. And if you think that's just the NL putting out a cover your rear end, Uh, uh, announcement, that's not the case. When they've made these announcements and they include video when they send them out, they back it up, at least in preseason they do to try and hammer a point home. Point of emphasis means Yeah, they're going to be calling it this year. If you're thinking that uh, it's going to be something that we'll just make a statement on and we'll go back to calling it the way that we've always called. No, that's not the case. They have, when they put this out ahead of time, they have then stuck to their guns and their referees have called the two points of emphasis this year. Number one is taunting that they do not want anybody pointing at anybody else. They don't want anybody standing over anyone else. It's kind of a hit or miss type thing because you don't want the NFL to stand for no fun league. You want to see some celebration and you want to see some personality on the field, but also yes, taunting should have no place in the national football league. So it's a very subjective thing. So you're leaving it in the hands of your referees. Are the, is the NFL leaving it in culpable hands? As far as you're concerned, if they're going to let their referees be even more subjective
3: at throwing flags for uh, players taunting. I wonder what the definition of taunting is to the NFL. If you know, remember when Brent Selleck always called a first down, he always did the you know the point. Is that taunting? Um if you score a touchdown and do a dance or whatever, I know the NFL's kind of leaned off on that a bit. Is that taunting? Um, you know, what is the finest taunting? Trash talking? Um, uh, you know, that's what I think these guys are gonna have to find out in the preseason. And honestly, if I was a receiver or a defensive back, I think I want to test the waters a bit here and see what I could get away with and what I can't. And we remember a couple years ago, it wasn't last year, I think it was two or three years ago when they called an excessive amount of holding penalties in the preseason. And everybody goes, oh man, this is going to ruin the game. And the NFL lightened up on it uh, once week one hit. And, you know, I I didn't know if that was a mistake or not, but definitely made the games go faster. I will say that. So Yeah, I I just think I would have to know what taunting actually is because I actually like when players kind of do the in your face stuff. I think it gets the fans riled up. I think it makes the game more fun. And you know, Jody, uh, growing up, my favorite thing was when receivers scored a touchdown, and you know, Chad Johnson wore the future Hall of Fame coat, or you know, Terrell Owens got the Sharpie out, or you know, ripped the TOSBO uh, (laughs) a sign in Cleveland. That was for me. That was fun and. My old philosophy was, well, if you don't like it, stop them. And, you know, that's kind of how I feel about the taunting these days.
2: And they did specifically say touchdown uh, celebrations uh, will not be affected, that they want their uh, guys to be able to celebrate after they score touchdowns, but it is more infield action, specifically pointing, specifically standing over someone. Um, I got no problems with it. I hope they don't overstep their boundaries, but if they make it a point of emphasis, and pretty good for them. Now, um, the NFL
3: does know, though, one of their most iconic photos is Chuck McNerrick over Frank Gifford, right? I mean, I don't know if Chuck, Chuck can tell the story all he wants in a way that was kind of a taunt.
2: It was. It was an unquestioned taunt, but uh, again, it, it, different rules, different league, different time. Uh, I, I don't know. We want to turn back the clock 60 years, yes, 60 uh,
3: years
2: yeah. uh, to, to make our uh, definition of it. All right. So we take a quick time out of here. Brian DeArdo from CBS is going to hop aboard. Uh, he covers the AFC Central, um, and he's got the Steelers coming to town to take on the Birds in their first preseason game. He'll join us next here on Birds 365.
8: There's Strong, and then there's Army Strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
11: This is Birch
2: 365 here on the Jacob E.D. YouTube channel. Jeff Kerr, and for Johnny Mac, Jody Mac here with you. And we've got a special guest joining us going to help us look ahead to the matchup coming up tomorrow night. That would be Eagles-Steelers. He covers the Steelers and their entire division for CBS, and he covered uh, the inductions this past weekend in Canton. So we're going to talk a bunch of things with uh, Brian DeArto, who joins us here on uh, Birds 365. Brian, how are you, bud? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me
3: on. How are you doing this morning?
9: we
2: are
3: doing we're doing, good, Brian? I'm glad I didn't wear my <laughs> Super Bowl hat today because uh, we would've, it would have been nice color coordination, nice match, but, um, uh,
11: you know, that's a little uh, too much, I guess.
2: <laughs> now, which hat is that, Brian? I got to
11: take note there. Oh, that's one of our free swag CBS Sports hats that we got this year since our network covered the Super Bowl. Very nice if you, you don't want to wear a bias hat, especially if I'm going to be joining a, a visiting podcast. So this is always a safe way to go whenever you're covering it, and then, an NFL team getting on a show.
2: Generic Super Bowl hat. I like it. All right. Uh, now, we're going to pick your brain a little bit about the Steelers, who already had their first preseason game. They got to play in the Hall of Fame game. And, yes, they are 1-0. Not that the wins and the loss mean anything in preseason. But I did watch with uh, a, a tight eye the first half of that game. I've already admitted this here on Bird Street 65. I fell asleep in the second half. I'm sorry. Guys were playing whose names I didn't even know. I said, why am I watching this? And I kind of nodded out. Uh, But the Steelers did get one game under their belt.
11: Were they happy with the results afterwards? They were happy with the result. They haven't been happy with what's transpired in practice since. They've had some sloppy practices. They've had continuous injuries with the offensive line, some other positions. Um, yeah, and in, in the preseason game, going back to that real quick, they wanted to see a couple of things, how that starting offensive line will look. I'm using that with quotes because they don't have their entire nucleus back on the line. They wanted to see how the quarterbacks look behind Ben, and they wanted to see how Najee Harris looked. Uh, and defensively, it was about the punting battle between Jordan Berry and Harvin Presley, who they drafted late in the seventh round. And they also wanted to see how the quarterbacks look now that they lost their starting nickelback from the last couple of years. They checked just about all of the boxes. Um, I don't think Mason Rudolph looked fantastic. Um, he missed some easy throws. He did not direct any scoring drives. Um, and Dwayne Haskins basically just played checkoff the entire night. So I don't think he did anything really to bolster his case to be the number two quarterback. Um, Najee Harris looked good. Mike Tomlin said before the game, we just want to see positive games. We just want to see if he can find the hole, get positive yards. He didn't have a run better than six yards. But he only had one negative run. That was really the fault of the offensive line. They gave up a lot of passing yards. So if you're an Eagle fan and you're interested to see how your quarterbacks look, especially in the slot, getting some quick completions out, the Steelers are your team. They allowed a lot of passes, as you, you know, you watched the game. Um, but they did get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Alex Highsmith, who's going to be replacing Bud Dupree, looked fantastic. Um, and they got some turnovers against Dallas. They forced some in the secondary. But they did give up a lot of passing yards. So I do think if you're an Eagles fan looking into tomorrow night's game, you should get a lot of passing yards. Um, But scoring could be a challenge as the Steelers only allowed three points. Are we going to be seeing Big Ben tomorrow night, or is he still on the fence? He's done. He won't play tomorrow night. Um, Tomlin said yesterday to expect pretty much the same thing that you saw on Thursday where Mason Rudolph came in, played most of the first half. Then you saw Dwayne Haskins finish the half and start – the second half, and then you saw Joshua Dobbs, who actually played the best of Pittsburgh's quarterbacks and has had a really good training camp. You'll see him probably the entire fourth quarter, a little bit of the third quarter. You'll see Najee Harris for probably the entire first quarter, a little bit of the second. Then you'll get a lot of Anthony McFarlane and stuff like that. No Juju Smith-Schuster, no Cameron Hayward, no Joe Hayden. They should not play Megan Fitzpatrick, but if they do, it would only be for a possession.
2: Since we're in the quarterback mode, I do want to ask you, I was a Mason Rudolph fan when he came out uh, in the draft a couple of years ago. I thought he landed in the perfect place in Pittsburgh, could take his time developing behind Roethlisberger. Didn't think he was ready to step in right away, but I thought he had NFL game. Well, he got forced in because of Ben's injuries to play a little earlier than maybe the Steelers would have liked. And let's be frank about it, he wasn't good enough. And you're telling me he wasn't good enough last week in game number one. They did commit to him as at least for game one's preseason that he was the backup quarterback, which means he's going to start. If Ben doesn't play, I've been disappointed in his progression in the NFL. I have my doubts now whether he is an NFL quarterback or not. What's gone wrong with him?
11: How much time do we have? Um, No, I I think – you know, Lots you made a lot of good points. You made a lot of good points. I, I think, you know, so he watched the, his entire rookie season, right? And then he went five and three as the starter in '19, and that's what the Steelers GM always goes back on. It's all about, you know, black and white. It's the tangibles. He had a winning record. Then he lost his only start last year. But when I look at, at Mason's body of work, I see potential. You know, you, you saw the 45-yard completion to, to Chase Claypool during the Hall of Fame game. That was a great throw. A great decision. He had a couple of guys open. James Washington, I think, on a, on a short crossing route. But Mason wanted the big play. And I give him credit over, you know, Dwayne Haskins didn't try that. Josh Dobbs didn't try that. You know, you have to show that you can make those big throws. Uh, against the Browns last year, in his only start, he, he, he really did a great job with his deep precision passing. You could argue that was the best deep ball passing game by any Steelers quarterback last season. Um, but he has those brain farts, for lack of a better phrase, that does set him back. He hesitates still quite a bit. Um doesn't always make the best decisions and is hesitant, which I didn't think I would see that for Mason coming from Oklahoma State where he threw the ball so much. I thought that he would be much more decisive with his decision-making. I do think a lot of this is reps. I think a lot of this is getting a chance to play through an entire season. And I, I'll be honest, this might get some criticism for Browns fans. I would argue he, he would be doing what Baker Mayfield's doing uh, retrospectively if he had the amount of reps that Baker's had. Um, I think, if you guys go back a little bit, a lot of Steelers writers that have been covering the team for a long time would say his ceiling is Neil O'Donnell. His ceiling's a guy that can get you to a Super Bowl if the rest of your team is really strong, but they have you have to. He's not going to carry you to a championship. So I still like his potential. I think a lot of the-, the tangible stuff is there, and he is a good leader. I don't know if he gets enough credit for that, but yeah, for whatever reason, he- he's inconsistent, um, and unfortunately, that might not be fixed till he gets more reps.
3: James Washington only got a couple targets Thursday night. And, of course, I, I want to be traded. You know, the Eagles, they kind of need a little bit of help at receiver. A little, Basically, they need a veteran. I think James Washington would be a decent fit for them. I'm not sure if he's exactly what they need. Can you provide a little bit of a scouting
11: report for us? James Washington uh, is, is streaky. He's very streaky. Uh, he had a really rough rookie season. He dropped the pass against Denver, where he launched out for the ball when he didn't even have to jump, and that was the, the play that Ben Roethlisberger heavily criticized, which is one of the reasons why Ben does no longer do his weekly show because he criticized teammates and got crap for it. But uh, you know, I, I, James actually did really well in '19. He had over, I think, he had 735 yards, and that was without Ben Roethlisberger. He's he's pretty much a deep threat, um, and he can he can make yards after the catch. I wouldn't say he's an explosive guy, but he's hard to tackle in the open field. Um, his hands could be better. He had a drop in the Hall of Fame game. And, uh, like, I, not not necessarily a speed demon, but he's small. He's, but he kind of has a Jalen Rager kind of body, or Greg Ward, to kind of give you an example of Philadelphia guys you've had. Um, so, again, I think for him it's been a lack of opportunity. I think he did better with more game reps. He hasn't had many game reps. That's not necessarily a fault of his because they have – Juju, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, all those guys. Now, I don't think the Steelers are going to trade him, but if they would, they'd have to see something in these preseason games from their other young receivers, specifically Isaiah McCoy, Anthony Johnson, or a guy that had a big part return in the Hall of Fame game, Matthew Sexton. So if you're an Eagles fan, you actually might need to be cheering for a (laughs) fourth or fifth string Steeler receiver tomorrow night, and then that might lead to maybe a trade because the Eagles wouldn't be a terrible trade partner As the Steelers don't play them very much, they're in the NFC. So um, he's a good player, unfortunately inconsistent, and hasn't had a lot of reps in Pittsburgh.
2: Brian, you mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick, who I thought was a stone-cold difference maker last year for the Steelers. Tremendous trade that they made the year prior uh, to be able to pick him up and add to that defense. He's just a uh, playmaker down in and down out. On most teams in the NFL, he'd be their best defensive player. That's not the case with the Steelers because they've got T.J. Watt. And we know he's not playing. He didn't play in the preseason game last week. Don't expect him to play this week. Working on a contract extension and negotiation with the Steelers. They going to get this done before opening week of the regular season?
11: That's the hope. And I, I mean, T.J. actually is not taking part in team drills. This is the funny thing with the sports media. I actually – don't care and I think it's a great thing TJ isn't participating because Melvin Ingram has done great with the Steelers first team defense so and and all the word from camp is that he looks like the Melvin Ingram that was a three consecutive pro bowler with the Chargers so I like the Tomlin is allowing him to do this but then there's some media members that are saying no he needs to be making TJ Watt out there and practicing and and blah 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 so um I think TJ's kind of making it a point that this needs to get done because he's not taking part in team practices and there's some whispers he might sit out and pull a Le'Veon Bell and not – he won't – he'll play. But maybe the 2017 Le'Veon or he doesn't show up until week one, which, uh, again, wouldn't be an issue. But as you guys know, the Steelers do not conduct business once the ball's kicked off week one. I do think they're going to get it done. They have to get it done. He, he's a – the issue is, is, is he looking for money that's going to make him the highest paid edge rusher, or is he going to want maybe a less long-term deal but more guaranteed up front? The Steelers are starting to wake up to that. I think that was one of the issues with Le'Veon. They gave him all the money in the world for five years, but they didn't give him a lot of guaranteed money, relatively speaking. It's a lot of money for any of us. But, you yeah, yeah. Uh, know, so I think that I, I think that the Steelers are wising up to that. And they also have uh, Joe Hayden wants an extension as well, and they've got Mika next year. So to get those done, they have to get this done first, and I think they will.
3: Now, the Steelers' offensive line, they kind of revamped it this offseason. Uh, you know, a couple guys are gone. They brought in a couple guys and – the Eagles defensive front has been excellent throughout camp and you know how good the Eagles offensive line
11: is on paper. So what is Pittsburgh going to provide the Eagles on Thursday? Well, the Steelers are going to get it shot. I don't know if he's going to play with Javon Hargrave, the old grave digger. Um, and that was a heartbreaker for the Steelers because uh, a good player for the Steelers, a little bit of a late bloomer. And then he, they just, they couldn't afford him and the Eagles went um, and, and almost like a guy graduates, you know, you just, you applaud him and you move on. So, uh yeah, So I'm excited to see uh, the grave digger. Is that we we used to call him that here. But yeah, the offensive line in Pittsburgh is they've had a really bad week. And again, they looked good in the Hall of Fame game. They had a one uh blow up blocking assignment that led to Najee's negative run. Uh but in general, I think one of the most disappointing guys has been Kevin Dotson, who was a rookie last year. He started with some injuries at left guard. He there were some rumors he didn't come into camp in the best condition and that's played itself out. So, they're really disappointed with him. Um, and they had Joe Haig, the former Buccaneer, who they got this offseason. He actually started during the Hall of Fame game and looked okay. Uh, but one of the positive spins has been BJ, or has been Kendrick Green, the third-round pick out of Illinois, who wears 53. Some Eagle fans, Marquise Pouncey did not come out of retirement. Um, Kendrick Green wears number 53 as well. And I think he will be the Steelers' starting center week one. He started the Hall of Fame game. I think he's going to start again. Uh, on Thursday night, and the Steelers have really been raving about him. He'll be, I think the new the face of the new wave of the Steelers offensive line. The big MO for the Steelers this whole time has been we have to be more physical in the offensive line. Uh, that might be able to o- out overshadow maybe some lack of talent there that you know, might not have, might not be there anymore. So but if we're physical and we have an emphasis on running the ball, that might be what does ultimately end up helping us. But I think, you know, one of the linemen that has the biggest question mark on him is gonna be Jakor Korfor who was in, I think he was drafted just about the time Mason was in the third round in 18. He's replacing Villanueva's left tackle. wave Nueva started, I think, 93 straight games for the Steelers the longest act, the longest streak. So now you have a new left tackle. So a lot of questions there. There's been some injuries and obviously the disappointment with Dotson. But uh, one other guy I wanted to mention, Dan Moore, another rookie who might get a chance to start too, if things don't pan out for the Steelers. uh projected starting lineup on the line.
2: Now, one last Steeler question for you, Brian. Then uh, I want to get a couple other divisional questions in as well. Um, ben didn't play last week. You're telling me he's not going to play this week. He may not play at any point during the preseason, but he's going to be their starting quarterback game one. He had a mixed bag of tricks last year. Again, as you pointed out, still Steelers like to point to one loss record. And Ben had a really good one loss record. It depends on where you take it to. You just say the last quarter of the season, all of a sudden, the one loss record doesn't look so good. Uh, right. And a playoff loss on top of it. Um uh, Watching him play down in and down out, he was effective, but he just didn't get the ball down the field the way that Ben Roethlisberger did. And there were explanations for that last year. Did you buy them? Have you seen improvement in practice? How is Ben throwing the football? And what should you expect week number one with the Steelers?
11: He looks really good now. He he does look really good now. His arm strength is back. I mean, the Steelers defensive coordinator has been quoted to say, like, that's big. If big Ben's here. Like, we're not getting glimpses of Big Ben. Like, he's Big Ben the entire practice. When he when he does practice, like, what? He's been getting some veteran days off. But When he's practiced, he's looked really good. And, and even Ben has said, you know, last year in the offseason, once once the arm got good enough to throw, then all of a sudden the rehab started. And he was he was throwing, he said, hundreds of balls a day. And then he said maybe that wore his arm out the last quarter of the season. And then that led to the, the one in five record, their last six. He said this offseason, he didn't he had months where he didn't throw at all. He just let that baby totally heal, totally recover. He said this is his first normal offseason in two years. So now he thinks that that strength in his arm is back. as you alluded to, his deep ball was, was not very good last year. Not very good at all. And if it wasn't for a few that he did hit against the Colts, they would have made it as a wildcard team instead of division champions last year. They would have lost five in a row going into the playoffs. So it's back. The question is how, how long is that going to last? Um, and you know, his accuracy is still there. He completed, I think mean, 65, 66% of his throws last year. So the accuracy is still there. Um, and he has done a good job learning Matt Canda's offense. I don't think it's going to be a lot different than last year. I think everybody's saying that it's going to be a total difference now that they've changed offensive coordinators. I think it, it's going to be more balanced. You're still going to see the jet sweeps, the shovel passes, the bubble screens, stuff that Mac, uh, that Brandy Finkner did last year. But I think you're going to see more of an, of an emphasis on running, and you are going to see some more deep, deep throws. And the Steelers receiving core is really good. I mean, they didn't draft a receiver for the first time in a long time, because they frankly didn't have to. So the, the weapons are there. Najee Harris, I think, is going to break Franco and Le'Veon Bell's rut, running rec, r- rookie running records for the Steelers. They have two different ones. Uh, but the question is on offensive line. How good is that, that offensive line going to be? And Pat Fryer, with the Penn State tight end, you might see him Thursday. A shoulder injury kept him out of last week's game. So I think it's going to be a big season for Ben. Um, we'll just have to wait and see, see if that arm holds up. Now, the AFCs loaded, Brian. You know this. Uh, Kansas City,
3: Tennessee, uh, Buffalo. We can go on and on. Pittsburgh never seems to be mentioned that, even though they're always virtually pretty much a lock for the playoffs every year. Where do you see them fitting in
11: this puzzle? I see them finishing third of the division and getting a wild card spot. I think with that, seven playoff spots now, it's the opposite of baseball. Almost everybody's getting it now in football. Not quite, but a little less than 50% of the league. So I see the Steelers – Ten and seven, and getting in as a six or seven seed, and, and honestly, um, I know that that might be a little high for some people. That might be a little low for some people. But I, I just think that their record or their schedule at the, the back end is really hard. They have an early buy, which I think is is good. Um, I just think that the Browns. Uh, now we don't know. I mean, the Browns two years ago had all those expectations and they they were awful. Um, last year they didn't have as many expectations and they made it to the second round. So. You know, and Baker Mayfield, I still think is the weakest quarterback in that division. I think for what they have, for what they're having him do within that system, he's doing a really good job. Um, But I still, I don't think he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's a tier or two below. Um, And he could hold them back potentially. Odell Beckham Jr. is back, which honestly wasn't a good thing for the Browns uh, historically the last couple of years. Baker's better without him. So, there's some questions there, but the running game is really strong. It's, the, it's one of the best in the league, if not the best, the Browns. Um, offensive line is really good. The interior of that defense, there's some questions. Uh, but overall, that defense is, is good, maybe the second or third best in the division. But that might hold the Browns back a little bit. But I think it's between the Browns and the Ravens for, for who's going to win. If either of those teams struggle or there's injuries, the Steelers could sneak in and win it. Uh, Lamar Jackson's a phenomenal player. He's getting better every year. I think they're going to take more pressure off him. They're going to give the ball to, to, to uh, J.K. Dobbins a little bit more this season, I would think. Um, the, again, the big question in Baltimore is is the receiving core. Is it strong enough? Bateman, their first-round guy, had an injury yesterday. I don't, I don't think it's a serious injury, but still, you know, we, we don't know how much they've put. They wanted Juju Smith-Schuster. They weren't able to get him. Similar to Philadelphia, there's, there's questions there at receiver. I think Cincinnati's going to be a lot better. Um, ready to compete for that division, I'm not sure. But I think the Bengals are going to play a role in who does win the division based on how many of these matchups they can win with NFC or AFC North foes. Uh, Joe Burrow led the league in passing before he got hurt. And they've added more receivers to, to his disposal. They've added some help on offensive line. So I think the Bengals could be a, a six-win outfit this year. Uh, and that's going to affect, obviously, what else happens in the AFC North.
2: Thanks for your stance on the AFC North because it makes my, very, my question very much on point. <laughs> The bottom line is the Steelers won the division last year, right? Regular season champions. Right. So can Mike Tomlin use the underdog role? Hey, did you hear what Jeff DiArdo said? He picked us for third place. Can he play the underdog card after a year that he won the division? All right, he got picked off in the playoffs by one of those divisional opponents, but he did win the division Is he that kind of coach? Will he play the we're not getting enough respect card
11: to get this team ready for the season? I think that's more of a, that was, that was definitely Bill Coward's card. He played that whenever he could. Um, I don't honestly know how much, how much Tomlin does it. His whole thing is the standard is the standard. So I think now I think some of the Steelers leaders will, Ben will, Cameron Hayward will, some of those, there's not many left now those are probably some of the only Mm -hmm. veterans i can think of honestly they had so many guys leave pouncing vince williams all those guys but i think that cam hayward thrives off of that tj watt does so i think the steelers the leaders will say hey no one thinks we can do this anymore so let's go out and shock the world but i think for mike tomlin it's gonna be hey the standard is still the standard and and i think that uh that is going to be the MO. And I think honestly, guys, and I know you guys know this with, with the Eagles four years ago, all you have to do is make the tournament right with, with the NFL now with, with the way the salary caps are the margin between the first seeded team and the seventh seeded team now is so razor thin. It might just be the play and quarterback is different. Mahomes just might get you that number one or number two seat. So, you know, I think for Steeler fans, uh, or Eagle fans or whoever fans you are of, uh, just make the playoffs, and you don't know what's going to happen. We've seen wild cards win. We've seen teams with backup quarterbacks win. Uh, if your defense gets hot or your quarterback gets hot, you never know. So I, I think that would be my focus for any fan of any team. Uh, just get one of those seven number seven playoff spots and then roll the dice and see where you end up. So I, I think, for you know again, if you're a Steeler fan, I think that needs to be your focus. Just try to make the playoffs, don't care how, and we'll see what happens once we get there.
3: Outsider's opinion, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts?
11: I really like Jalen Hurts. Um, I thought he played really well in the limited time he got and and that uh, controversial Week 17 game. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't finish that game, but I don't want to open up old wounds. But <laughs> I think he's got a great head on his shoulders. Uh, I think he said all the right things as a rookie. He he, he obviously made it clear that he wanted to play without uh, ruffling feathers, no pun intended, with the Eagles. Um, so. I love his accuracy. I love his athleticism. He reminds me of Kyler Murray a lot. But I think, I think maybe less mobility, but a better arm. Um, and I think that, that he's a football lover. That's what Mike Tomlin used yesterday to describe Melvin Ingram. I think to be a really good quarterback, you have to be a football lover. Like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. These guys get into the playbook. Uh, I think there's one quarterback. I can't remember which one, but they, he has a. Tra- they, these teams have tracking devices, so they know are, are on their computers. So they know how much these guys are watching film. I can't remember what team it was, but a rookie quarterback led the team in film watching this year. I can't, it's one of the top guys that got drafted, but uh, I, I'm remiss to Remember, I know that was Herbert. That was uh, Herbert. I think. I think that was yeah. Herbert. Right. Right. So again, I think that that your guy is a football lover, and I think that not only is that going to help him learn the nuances of a playbook and learning how to play well against NFL defenses, that's going to inspire his teammates. If, if our guy is in the, is in the room doing this, why am I not doing this? And I think that, uh, I don't think this generation gets enough credit for how much they love football and how much work they're willing to put in. And I think that he's a guy that's doing a lot behind the scenes, not a much, not a big self promoter, not doing a lot on social media, which I also like, he's kind of old school, but I love him. And I, and I think that, uh, the Eagles, uh, Eagles are in a good place with him at quarterback, for sure.
2: And we can tell this guy loves football as well. <laughs> Ryan, great stuff. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate the neutral hat uh, for not showing yes. your uh, NFC, AFC North colors. Thanks for uh, a couple of minutes of insight here with us. We'll get you on again down the road.
11: I would love to, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a great
2: rest of your day. Our pleasure. That is uh, Brian Deardo from CBS Sports giving us some good Steeler insight. Um, wish the Eagles were playing the Steelers during the regular season as well. But uh, good good insight to the upcoming preseason game. All right, uh, Jody Mack, I'm not coming back. I'm going to pass it off. Uh, our boss and buddy Joe Krause is going to take you home today. Usually it's JM and JM, McDonald and McMullen. Oh, it's going to be JK and JK. Jeff Carr and Joe Kraus gonna get you to the finish line. Uh, JM and I will be back tomorrow on game day here on Bird's Three Sixty Five. But putting a wrap and a bow on the show, Jeff Carr uh, and uh, Joe Kraus, right here on Bird's Three Sixty
4: Five. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark.
8: it's the door to a world most people only dream of there's strong and then there's army strong try it on at goarmy.com
6: good to be sitting in the chair this morning here on birds 365 across the jacob media youtube channel Jumping in for Jody Mack. Jeff Kurd sitting in uh, for Johnny Mack, doing a great job all camp. Uh, and that role will continue uh, for JK. Glad to be here on a Wednesday night. Preseason football, of course, tomorrow. Good dialogue uh, in the last half hour, Jeff, about uh, the game tomorrow night. Two quick programming alerts or reminders for everybody watching on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, Don't forget, starting with the opening game on the 12th of September, thrilled to say uh, that the live post-game show with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, John McMullen, and Lane Johnson uh, will be live right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel immediately following the end of the football game. Uh, well, we have reaction from the stadium, reaction from the press conference and all kinds of good stuff uh, on the new live post-game uh, show. Jeff Kerr, um, hold on to your seat in some way, shape or form. You may be part of that show. We don't know yet, but it's building. It's evolving and uh, we'll have our first test run uh, offline tomorrow night. But looking forward uh, to that on the 12th of September.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, J.K., it's going to be hard to keep up with that cast of characters.
6: I'll say that. I
3: mean, you got Gunn, you got Mark. Uh, we know what McMullen brings. Lane Johnson's a riot every time I've interviewed him. And
6: Devin's Devin.
3: So that's going to be a fun show. I'll definitely be tuning in.
6: Jeff, uh, your work when you're not sitting in the chair uh, for CBS Sports, I love the work that you do. Uh, for CBS sports, your reads are always very defined or they're four or five minute reads. They get to the crux of, uh, of your point, uh, which I enjoy. I thought it would be fun to spend the last segment here uh, on what I think may be your most recent Philadelphia Eagle article. And if you talked about it at length, I apologize for uh, the repetition. I'm sure we'll have a different spin Um, In our dialogue, Eagles bold predictions, uh, you made three, three big, bold predictions, uh, set the table for us, and then we'll go through those predictions uh, one at a time.
3: So the first one I did, and I mentioned this to Jody Mack yesterday, Uh, we didn't go about today, but Devonta Smith is going to have a thousand yard season for this team this year. Um, I truly believe that I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper into that. The second one I had was Jalen Hurts is going to get 30 combined touchdowns this year. So yes, Eagles fans, they're not getting the Sean Watson. Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback. So that was one of my, best. and I said, this could completely blow up in my face if anything happens within the next month or so. So I went with that one. And the third one was the Eagles defense was going to lead the NFL in sacks this year. And this one, I don't think is as bold and, you know, Krause, you can, you know, lead me into that, but. I mean, they were third in the league last year and they were six of pressures, and the defensive line is actually better. So I don't know if I would actually say that one is bold per se, but it's a good one. Well, if you
6: listen, and if you listen, uh, Jeff, to any of the John McMullen Football 24 7 uh, camp recaps, if you listen to the first 11 of them that we've done to date, and we'll have another one tonight uh, on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, every night that conversation always finds its way back to the defense, which we get and we understand normally the defense is ahead of the curve, uh, but the name Josh Swett uh, uh, comes up. And that, I think, is probably one of your key components uh, in your thought that this team could lead uh, the, um, the league in sacks. And, of course, I love the addition of Ryan Kerrigan um, I love that signing. Uh, he was a player that I enjoyed watching, even though he played for the Washington football team. Uh, and I'm glad he is here uh, in Philadelphia.
3: Yeah. I got the rank, the top edge rushers heading in the free agency by CBS. And I had a lot of people say to me, Ryan Kerrigan's not in your top 10. I said, that's how low the class was this year, but I had him in guys that are going to be under the radar signs that are going to help a football team. So when the Eagles got him, I'm like, oh man, what an upgrade over Vinnie Curry. And I like them when they brought back Curry last year. But these are two completely different players. You can actually keep five edge rushers on the field. You know, if you have Ryan Kerrigan, I mean, whoever that fifth guy would be. You know, where that would be Jannard Avery, who's converted the linebacker now, or you know, whoever they decide to go with there. You know, if Davion Taylor was healthy. You could kind of use him in that Anthony Bar role. But overall, like the Josh Sweat. Resurgence. I mean, I think we all knew it was coming, the breakout season. It, it came last year, but now it seems like he's ready to take his game to a new level. He says the knees are healthy, and him and Derek Barnett rotating can be very, very scary because Derek Barnett, I think, is a really good third-down pass rusher. He does get to the quarterback. Uh, Josh Sweat is better than him at this point, but that is not a knock on Derek Barnett at all. That is a luxury to have, and quite honestly, Krauss I think I would bring both of them back. Um, you know, I'd sign Sweat, I'd sign Barnett, and I keep Graham for as long as he can play. And you have a future there at the edge rusher position with both of them. So that's one thing I like. But those three together are scary with Kerrigan. Then you got Javon Hargrave, who Brian Diardo mentioned earlier. His nickname in Pittsburgh was the Grave Digger, and we got to see a little bit of that toward the end of last year. I think he's going to be big. Um, Milton Williams has had a great camp so far. Fletcher Cox, you know, we know what he. If he can just beat the double team consistently. This pass rush is going to be really scary. Like 49 sacks is what they had last year. I definitely think they can get 50, especially now with the new defensive coordinator mixing things up up
6: front. Let's talk about the new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. You know, when you're the new head coach or the new offensive coordinator, the new defensive coordinator, the entire staff is a new, essentially uh, a new staff. What challenges – Uh, does Jonathan Gannon face? Because again, if you take the body of work so far since camp began, the challenges appear to be uh, more exacerbated on the offensive side of the football. So for Jonathan Gannon, he may not be asking a lot of questions about issues or concerns, but he's still going to have challenges. What are they?
3: Well, I think the Eagles answered the biggest challenge for him this offseason because I was really worried about what they were going to do with this second cornerback position opposite of Darius Slay. And give them credit. They got Steven Nelson, and they made their lives a lot easier. It seemed like every kind of hole or it was like a leaky pipe the Eagles had in their defense, they were able to fix it. Um, you know, they, they were able to bring in – anthony harris uh, i thought that was a good move andrew adams will probably make this team now he's a good special team will probably make this team with Kayvon wallace being out so you got death there that's one thing i like in the secondary uh, all of a sudden you have death because you got steven nelson cornerback, which allows zach mcpherson to be that boundary cornerback. They, they, they can have him learn kind of like a leo shepherd sheldon brown type i've mentioned that before and you can put avante max in the slot where he succeeds and Linebacker's been their biggest issue, but, again, they, they were able to get Eric Wilson in there. And, yeah, he does have problems tackling. That, that's going to be the biggest issue. Um, Can they tackle? Uh, I They do have guys that can, but they have a lot of guys that miss tackles. Like, Alex Singleton can tackle, but he can't cover the pass. Uh, Eric Wilson can tackle to an extent, but he has a lot of missed tackles. Uh, but he does find his way to the football. So I got to give him credit for that. Uh, Davion Taylor was – a good surprise at camp. They still have TJ Edwards in there. Janard Avery's the linebacker now. So they got a little bit of depth there. And obviously you talk about the defensive line. I think their biggest holes are going to be, how are they going to do against a top five offense? Because they're going to face tons of them early on in the season. And I don't think we can judge this defensive coordinator based on, oh, okay, they gave up 27 points to the Cowboys. or they gave up 31 points to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, no, everybody does that. It's going to be, How they're going to look toward the end of the year. But I'll tell you what, if this defense can hold their own early on in the season, this team may be a playoff team. Uh, You know, if they can find a way to go two and four these first six games or three and three, and their defense plays well, I'm really, really liking their chances of making the playoffs.
6: Let's continue our conversation with Jeff Kerr. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Jeff Kerr CBS sitting in for Johnny Mack. Be right back in the chair tomorrow on game day, preseason football kicks off Eagles and Steelers. It'll be a hot day or a hot night uh, tomorrow uh, at the link from a temperature standpoint. Let's cover your two other bold uh, predictions. You know, Jeff, we had a lot of fun on the Jacob media YouTube channel uh, when we did the schedule release uh, we gave away uh, a lot of Devontae Smith jerseys, a lot of good buzz, a lot of hype, of course, uh, around uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, he's leading your uh, bold predictions, your one big bold uh, prediction. Um, tell us what that is, and then let's let's drill down on it a little bit um, and understand where you're coming from with it. So no Eagles rookie receiver has ever had 1,000 yards in a season. If
3: there's anybody that can do it in a 17 game season, it's Devonta Smith. He is going, it's going to be like Deshaun Jackson in 2008. He's going to play right away and he's going to make plays and he's going to be the focal point of an offense that, quite frankly, needs him to be. Like, I don't know what you're going to get out of Jalen Rager. I don't know what you're going to get out of Travis Fogel. I do know what the Eagles are going to get out of Zach Hurts. I think he's going to have a bounce back year, but Jalen Hurts already has the chemistry with this guy. They know each other well and Devonta Smith catches everything. He can run routes well, he can catch her. He's as most polished as a prospect the Eagles have had at the wide receiver position in years. You know, there's always a flaw when they draft a receiver high. You know, they, they can't do this, they can't, they can't do that. What you know, what's the knock on Devonta Smith? He's skinny. So what? There are a lot of skinny receivers in the NFL. The guy is built to play football and he played in the best conference in the country, the SEC, and he was a stud on the best football team in the country. And you know he's playing up against NFL defensive backs in in the SEC, future NFL defensive backs, and he's putting up these numbers. And the guy was just insanely good last year. Uh, when I ranked the wide receivers, I would have went with him over Jamar Chase. I know Jamar Chase is really really good, but he also sat out a year. So. That concerned me a bit. I get why Cincinnati drafted Jamar Chase because of Joe Burrow and all that, but I thought he was better than Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle is a deep threat, but he's got holes in his game, and I think Waddle will be good in Miami. But overall, Devonta Smith is going to be an absolute stud in this league, and I don't think it's going to take long for him to figure it out. And to get 1,000 receiving yards, you need to average 58.8 yards per game. I think he can do that.
6: Let me ask you a little bit about the reference to chemistry with Jalen Hurts. You know, if you go back to uh, his time at Alabama, Jalen had already moved on uh, for his final season to Oklahoma. Uh, in that same season with Mac Jones under center, Devontae Smith had his biggest year receiving the football uh, at Alabama. Uh, why do you think, Jeff, um, curious? Uh, why you think that Jalen and Devontae have chemistry to the extent of enough chemistry to average that kind of yardage on a weekly basis. So I go back to what – I kind of talked to Devontae Smith about
3: this prior to the draft, and we – you know, I just brought Jalen Hurts in conversation because, you know, Philly area guy, and, you know, I knew he was going to be the quarterback, and I told him to – I I followed Devonta Smith for a long time. I'm big into college football recruiting, and Devonta Smith was five-star across the board. And when Jalen Hurts was in his first year as a starting quarterback, there was a guy he went to on third and fourth downs a lot, and he had Henry Ruggs. he He had just receivers across, you know, everywhere. And he went to this kid, Devonta Smith, in his own class, a freshman. And they won a game against South Carolina on a fourth down pass because he went to Devonta Smith, even though he had tons of weapons all over the place. Uh, Jerry Judy was another one. He, he never went to him. And Jerry Judy was probably the, the, the best one out of the bunch, not named Devonta Smith. And he would go to Devonta. And I remember Devonta said, Man, I would love the opportunity to play with him again. You know, I, I think we can do some damage. And I'm like, All right, <laughs> there's the quote. So, you know, I, I just think these two, they just see eye to eye. They, they've known each other. They've caught balls together. They work out together. I just think it's one of those things where if Jalen Hurts is struggling to throw the football, he's going to know who to go to the bail him out of it. And that's going to be Devonta Smith. So I think you're going to see a target volume go up. I I honestly think the Eagles should give this guy the football, at least try to at least 10 times a game, you know, whether he's covered or not. I just think he's the guy that can make that impact. And it's a shame they don't have somebody else to help him out. And maybe Jalen Rager becomes that guy. Maybe Travis Fulgham is consistent. Maybe it'll be Wes Watkins, who knows? But I, you know, Maybe they'll bring in a veteran, but again, I just think this is going to be a guy that the Eagles are really going to rely on, and Nick Seriani is going to do whatever he can to win a football game because that's his job, and I think Devonta Smith will give him the best opportunity to win football games, get this passing gig going, and I'll tell you what, Eagles fans, buckle up. He's going to be a really fun watch.
6: We'll cover your last uh, bold prediction. Just, uh, I mentioned on the lead into the Devontae Smith conversation, we had a lot of fun giving away Devontae Smith jerseys. Just a alert for uh, all of our subscribers on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And if you're not a subscriber, uh, subscribe now. Uh, Our first big giveaway of the 2021 season is season tickets for the Eagles. So every home game on the 2021 schedule, uh, you'll win a pair of season tickets. We'll have more details uh, coming out. But the one thing is for sure, uh, you must be a subscriber on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. But one lucky fan uh, is going to get a pair of season tickets. I'm super excited uh, to be able uh, to do it here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Last bullet point, last bold prediction uh, is your... Uh, Thoughts and your statements about Jalen Hurts. Now, before you begin, uh, let me just take you back to only a year ago when Jalen was the 53rd pick uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, There was a lot of explaining uh, by Howie Roseman uh, and others in the franchise as to why Jalen was selected. Uh, the 53rd pick, and now fast forward, Carson is gone. Jason not announced, or, or Jalen rather not announced, uh, but getting every snap. And of course, we'll start on Thursday and going into the season. You have put a big bold prediction out there, Jeff. Uh, tell us why and and explain it. And as I said earlier, this could completely blow up in my face. If the Eagles were trade
3: for a certain quarterback from Houston, but. I think Jalen Hurts should get the opportunity to be a starter this year. And I went with he'll get 30 total touchdowns this year. And I don't think that's out of reach in today's NFL. Uh, You know, and I looked at it as, okay, Jalen Hurts is good enough to throw for 20 to 25 touchdowns and run for another 5 to 10. So that's where the 30 number came in. And if he comes up just short, still a good year. But overall, Jalen Hurts is going to make plays with his legs. Um, I always call him a poor man's Lamar Jackson. That's not a bad thing at all. You know, Lamar Jackson isn't the greatest thrower in the world, but there's so much he can do with the football in his hands that you have to watch out for him. And he's he is good enough to get the Ravens a Super Bowl. He really is. Like I, I think people kind of underestimate what he did against Tennessee last year in that playoff game in Nashville. And everybody wants to point out to the Baltimore, uh, the Buffalo game. Well, they weren't supposed to win that game anyway. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I think Baltimore's on the right track with him. And I think the Eagles can kind of do the same thing with this quarterback. Like they can roll him out and he can go to the tight ends a lot. And the Eagles have two good ones. They have Zach Ertz, they have Dallas Goddard. I don't think Zach Ertz is going anywhere either, at least not now. And so you roll Jalen Hurts out and Nick Sirianni is going to do that. Cause he'll play to his strengths. That gives him the ability to a run the football or b find someone that's going to be open downfield. Cause he's going to buy some time. And, Jalen Hurts can do that, and he can make some big plays for this football team. And that's where I'm kind of getting that number. I think when the Eagles struggle in the red zone, they're going to go to Hurts' legs, and that's where Hurts is going to get his touchdowns. Uh, if you're a fancy football owner, I, I would definitely draft Jalen Hurts and, and, you know, later in the draft, because I think you can give some really good value for this guy. But I'm not a fancy football expert, but that's what I would do. Uh, over, overall, though, in terms of how the Eagles are going to work, it's, look, he's going to be inconsistent. He's going to frustrate you at times with, he won't be able to complete the shorter intermediate passes, but man, that deep ball is beautiful and he is going to hit Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, Jalen. I I think Jalen Hurts will make Jalen Rager a nice deep ball threat for the Eagles. So Rager may not be able to do anything else for this team, but I think he's going to catch his fair share of passes downfield because of that deep ball. And, you know, some fans were able to see that on Sunday night when he rolled to his left and found Quez Watkins on that 50 yard touchdown. That's what, I think you're going to see out this guy this year, and he's going to be like Donovan Nabb in 2000. He's going to have to carry the offense a bit, but he's up for the challenge. He's going to make a lot of plays, and I, I think 30 is a reasonable number for him. And I'll tell you what: if he gets that number, I know the Eagles will probably want to get a better quarterback in there, and they have every right to do that. But man, it's going to be hard to tell your fan base after if he has a good year and leads them to a potential division title or a playoff berth. You move on. I, I don't know if they should do that with a 23 year old kid.
6: Perhaps your fourth bold prediction will be that Zach Ertz is going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. Boy, it's an amazing it's an amazing story. It's an amazing timeline going back to the very end of the season a year ago, sitting on the bench, all the rumors in the offseason, the trade rumors. He's not going to be on the roster. Uh, the start of camp, wearing the shorts inside out. Um, how he feels about the front office right now. I've had many conversations with John McMullen uh, about it. And now here we are um, going into um, preseason game one. And it seems to be that there's more reasons why Zach Ertz is going to be a Philadelphia Eagle than there are. Zach Ertz is not going to be uh, on this, uh, on this roster last thoughts before we say goodbye this morning.
4: Yeah,
3: I'll tell you what about Zach Ertz and, when I would point out a lot of tie end stats in the all season, I'm a big stat guy, and I would put out only Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. They're the only two tight ends with three hundred catches, three hundred yards, and uh, three thousand yards and twenty touchdowns over the last four years. And Zach Ertz retweeted, and he retweeted a lot of stuff. And you know we don't follow each other, but he retweets the stuff. So again, I think he wants people to know, hey, look, I'm still Zach Ertz. I'm still good. I've talked to him a couple times, not not that much this all season, but. Overall, it's—I don't think he necessarily wants to be with the Eagles, but he's getting paid a lot of money to be with the Eagles, and he's a good guy. He'll play—he'll play for this organization, he'll play for this fan base, just because he's a football guy. He's a football player, and you know what? It's some people sometimes just don't like their employers, but they'll work their butt off for them. And you know, I think Zach Ertz is one of those guys. And He's got a lot left on the table, and I think he wants to show it this year, and he wants to get a big contract and free agency,
6: and I think that's how he's approaching this season. Great stuff from Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports sitting in all uh, training camp. Uh, for John McMullen, doing a great job uh, with Jody Mack. That's going to do it for this edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Coming up, 11 o'clock, the middle, get caught in the middle with Aton Chander, Harry Mays, and Barrett Brooks. And then, of course, at 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, the National Football Show with Dan Silio. And then right back here tonight, Football 24-7 with John McMullen, uh, it'll be a light recap tonight because it's a simple walkthrough and prep for tomorrow, uh, but we'll have that on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jeff Carr, great stuff again today, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow uh, on Birds 365. Thank, uh, thanks to all of the viewers tuning in and all of the subscribers to the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Until next time, see you next time, everybody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the
10: podcast on your way home.
6: Available on
10: YouTube, Apple, and